Wings for the game. Boom. Cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom. Cash back. Even a last-minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. We're back. It's another August edition of the Athletic Hockey Show on a Thursday. It's Ian Bennett, Sean McIndoe with you. And you know what? We're going to keep the theme going. Last week, we talked all about uh, some of the questions that you were afraid to ask and didn't know the answer to that you wanted uh, some, some clarification on. And we ended up getting so many questions, we split it up into two weeks. And last week, we handled all your penalty-related questions, offsetting penalties and instigator penalties and Goalie interference and all that stuff. Well, guess what? Uh, we had a lot of stuff on the cutting room floor that had nothing to do with penalties. So over the next uh, 30, 40 minutes, whatever we have here uh, on this uh, edition of the uh, the podcast, we're going to get right to it with more questions. And uh, again, Sean, we, you and I are really surprised at uh, the wide range of questions we got here mm-hmm. um, that, that you, you, I mean, really, you threw this out there. You said it last week. I'm, I, it probably bears repeating like the, the sheer number of questions here is a great reminder that every so often, as hockey fans and media, we need to just take a pause and maybe just do some explaining because there's clearly a lot of questions to uh, to tackle. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and 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 a lot of the, you know some of these uh, questions are tough. They have complicated answers, and you got to dig into the rule book. And others are very very simple, but it's just they never get mentioned because we all just kind of we all just kind of assume that every hockey fan is a diehard. And and has been doing it for years, and you know that's that's not the case. There's casual fans, there's new fans, there's young fans, um, and uh, and and as we learn, there's also uh, fans who've been around for decades who have just had something in the in their back pocket, going, you know what? I've never understood this, and uh, uh, they were. Uh, it was it it's it's been very cool to uh, to read through all the questions as they come in, even as we're. Uh, you know, even as we're doing this, I'm still getting more, more questions popping into my inbox. Uh, it's uh, there, There's clearly an appetite out there for it. All right. So like I said, last week we did some penalty theme questions. This week we're going to go with some other ones. Let's start with this one from Brandon, who uh, writes in and says, hey, at the end of overtime, so after 65 minutes of gameplay, can a team swap out their goalie for the shootout? Maybe you've got a goalie who's really good at shootouts on standby Kind of like a closer in baseball. That's from Brandon. Yep. Um, the answer is yes, you can. Uh, that is uh, that is legal. Uh, 
Has a team ever done it? Yeah, a couple of times early on in the shootouts, uh, teams did do that. Um, and here's the problem. It didn't work. Uh, or at least to say it didn't work, they didn't win. And so that was kind of the end of it. I remember Ron Wilson doing it once uh, with the Leafs. He put in, I don't remember who the starting goaltender was. may have been Toscala, but it was uh, Curtis Joseph. He, he basically sent Curtis Joseph in uh, and, and it didn't work. The Leafs lost. And uh, uh, I think there were a couple other teams that did it. And uh, same, same result, uh, you know, didn't, didn't seem like an effective tactic. And so the NHL being a copycat league, nobody copied it. And it, and, and it is one of those things, that, the reason that you wouldn't do it, first of all, even if you did have a goaltender who was significantly better at, at shootouts, uh, they're going in cold. So it is, you know, how much benefit are you really, are you really getting? And it's it, the coach is putting his, his neck out there. This is, you know, if I'm an NHL coach and my team loses a shootout, Hey, we got the point, fine, whatever. Um, if anyone's going to blame, they're going to blame the goalie. They're going to blame the shooters. They're not going to blame me. Um, unless I do something crazy, uh, like, uh, like swap goalie. So it is legal. Um, it could be done. There's nothing stopping them, but, uh, you just, you just don't see it. One other thing related to this, that, that is interesting. What you cannot do is you can't do this for a penalty shot during a game. If you swap goalies for a penalty shot, the goalie you swap has to stay in the game for at least the next shift. So there actually is something in the rule book to, uh, to dissuade teams from doing this. Um, you can't swap a guy in just for a penalty shot and then put the the other guy back in the net, but you can do it uh, for the shootout. You know, I, I remember it happening the very first year of the, the post-lockout era. It was the Edmonton Oilers. And Craig McTavish was the coach. In fact, I looked it up earlier today when, okay. when I knew this question, we were going to tackle it, okay? So the 05-06 season, in a game, I think, yeah, it was against the Dallas Stars. Edmonton-Dallas. And Ty Conklin was the starting goalie for Edmonton in regulation time. Gave up three goals. Uh, and then when the shootout came in, McTavish tapped rookie netminder Mike Morrison. And Morrison was kind of good in the shootouts up until that point. Uh, but the Oilers, like you said, it didn't work. Morrison gave up a couple of goals. And the Oilers lost. What's funny is, first of all, one of the goal scorers against Mike Morrison was UC Jokinen, who was like okay. the guy. Yep. On Mr. shootouts shootout, in that yeah. first year. Remember, he was like Mr. Shootout. Mm -hmm. uh, but I got the quotes here from, from Ty Conklin and Craig McTavish after the game. Because it's, it's, it's rare, right? Like, a goalie mm -hmm. gets replaced for the shootout. Ty Conklin was asked about it. He's after the game. Conklin, who was replaced, said, quote, I don't make the decisions, but I would have made a different one. Okay? Mm -hmm. So that's yep. Ty Conklin. McTavish said, there are a lot of teams looking for one more save every night. And we're one of those teams. That was Oof. his answer. Yep. That was his That's, answer. So, yeah. It, so, <laughs> yeah. There's there, your answer, there you right? go. There's another reason not to do it. Yeah. Is it you're, you're going, and I'm sure, you know, it, it's tough on the goalie going in too, because you're, you take a loss in a game that you don't play any minutes in. That's, that's a tough one to take, to literally take an L in a game where you get 0, 0.00 minutes of ice time. Um, that can't be fun either. You know what? I just realized and I, and I, I'm going to look this up kind of in real time as mm -hmm. we're doing this, okay? So that happened during the 05-06 regular season, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, I'm trying to figure this out here. When did the Oilers trade for Dwayne Rollison? That, that was year? Late, that was that was at the deadline okay. in 2006. Well, okay. Well, this incident happened in March of 2006. Like okay. is this the thing 
that caused the rift between Ty Conklin and Craig McTavish that forced the Oilers to go out and get Dwayne Rollison, who then took them to the Stanley Cup? It could have been, yeah. I mean, I, that Oilers team was a real good team that had really bad goaltending. Uh, but yeah, right. I lo- and, and I love... Ty Conklin is the Forrest Gump of the NHL. Like, <laughs> yes, this dude shows up every outdoor game, every weird record. Like, there, there's always a Ty Conklin connection. So, it's of course, of course, it had to be him that would be involved in that. Yeah, he because he was in, like, well, how many how many uh, outdoor games? He was in the first three so, outdoor yeah, games. Yeah, he was in at least like three. Yeah, he he was always, uh, he always seemed to be showing up on those. Yeah, and, and of course, for some reason here, I can't, on Hockey Reference, uh, I can't pull up the date that Dwayne Rollison was traded to the Oilers because there's a bad gateway yeah, coming yeah. back. Yeah, which, by the way, is a, it's oh, Ty that's, Conklin. that's not good. Oh, my. When, uh, okay. Yep. What do you got? How about this? Okay. The, okay, I, we got something here. This happened, according to newspaper reports, This the Oilers putting in uh, Mike Morrison in goal, okay? Mm-hmm. Happened on March the 7th. Okay, March the 7th, Ty Conklin is replaced for the shootout. Mm-hmm. Okay. March the eighth, Dwayne Rollison traded. Wow. Okay. Do we have something here? Did something happen here? That you know what? This is. I I might <laughs> need to hear for some quote. Oiler fans on that. Yeah, that is a spicy quote. That is a weird thing for a coach to do. That is a a a, a spicy a couple of spicy quotes. I mean, I don't think it's not like the Oilers goaltending was great, and then this happened, and you know they, they I I I don't doubt for a second that they were looking for a goaltender. Uh, quite a bit, but that's uh, that. I mean that that, that certainly, I, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and say that that maybe is what pushed it over the edge. In fact, let's drop the maybe. Yeah. That's why it happened. That's yeah. why the Dwayne Dwayne there Wilson we go. trade happened. Wings for the game, boom, cash back. New lucky jersey, boom, cash back. Even a last minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Did you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement, you can still have an IRA? Robinhood has the only IRA that gives you a 3% boost on every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood Gold. But get this, now through April 30th, Robinhood is even boosting every single dollar you transfer in from another retirement account with a 3% match. That's right, no cap on the 3% match. Robinhood Gold gets you the most for your retirement thanks to their IRA with a 3% match this offer is good through April 30th. Get started at Robinhood.com slash boost. Subscription fees apply. And now for some legal info. Claim as of Q1 2024 validated by Radius Global Market Research. Investing involves risk including loss. Limitations apply to IRAs and 401ks. 3% match requires Robinhood Gold for one year from the date of first 3% match. Must keep Robinhood IRA for five years. The 3% matching on transfers is subject to special terms and conditions. Robinhood IRA available to U.S. customers in good standing. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC is a registered broker. Broker dealer. All right. Uh, another question comes in here from Scott B. Scott wants to know 
why does the NHL allow hand passes in the defensive zone and not anywhere else on the ice? That's from Scott. So again, if you are in the defensive zone mm-hmm. and uh, you're, you know, you're a defenseman or a forward and you use your glove on the ice to kind of pass the puck ahead to a teammate, that's cool. You do that in the neutral zone or the offensive zone and they blow the play. Yeah. Why is Which that? I'm sure is, again, confusing to new fans. Why is it sometimes a penalty and sometimes not? I, I don't really have a great answer for you other than um, the reason that we don't allow hand passes. The NHL really doesn't want anything creating offense uh, that isn't the puck on the stick. Um, you know, we, we don't let goals be kicked in. We don't let goals be headbutted in, uh, you know, or, or knocked in with, with hands. Um, they, you know, it, it, it might potentially look a little bit silly if we saw, um, you know, guys scooping pucks and, you know, throwing them or, or anything like that. Um, but being a defensive minded league, I guess we had to carve out an exception for in the defensive zone that, uh, it was, it was still okay. Unless it happens on a face-off, which is a whole, a whole other thing. You, you can't play the puck with your hand there. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, this is one of those where if you were rewriting the rule book from scratch, I don't know that you would treat it differently. You would just pick one. Either we let we allow them or we don't. And and that's the rule. Uh, I think would be a much better way to do it. Yeah, like it is. It's so arbitrary. Like imagine it, the same thing would be like for for like, oh, you could kick the puck with your skate in one zone, but not the other. Like that would make. Yeah, it, it almost makes no sense, really, when you think about mm-hmm. it. Yeah, no, it's 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 a weird one. And, you know, again, I'm sure it was the thinking was, well, you know, certainly in your own zone, you're not doing something to create offense. Um, but that's what an NHL distinction, right? Like as long as you're not yeah. as long as you're doing it to stifle offense and not create it, then we'll allow it. But uh, if you're doing it to create offense, then then we have to call it off. You know, you mentioned the kind of caveat involving face offs. And uh, we got a question here about face offs. And this comes in from an anonymous listener who uh, wants to know, I, n- uh, I never know why face-offs are where they are. I get that they start each period at center ice. After that, it's a complete mystery to me. I'd love a summary of the basics, especially when they decide to pick one side of the goalie versus the other. That's from anonymous. And yeah, listen, you probably get, mm-hmm. you know, north of eight, 10, 12 face-offs per period. Um, you know, so it's, it's certainly something that happens on a very regular basis. So, how do we explain to this uh, listener um, the quick synopsis of how they place faceoffs on the ice? Yeah, so this, this is another one where there's a whole long section in the rule book outlining this. But uh, essentially, yeah, start a period is center ice always. Um, the uh, if it's an offside, uh, it goes to uh, the line outside of that zone. Um, if, if as long as it's a, an unintentional offside, um, and uh, icing results in the puck coming all the way back into the defensive zone of the team that iced it, um, as well as uh, penalties now, minor penalties that result in the power play, give you a face-off that, that the power play will start in the offensive zone, um, unless the power play coincides with the start of a period, in which case you still get the face-off at center ice, which I know some people find um, confusing or or feels like it's wrong, but uh, that's, that is how it's done. Other than that, other stoppages, it basically comes down to they they place the face off to the closest place where the stoppage happens. So if you know if a puck is frozen along the boards, if um, uh, you know the puck is frozen by a goaltender, then obviously it's the, the closest face off dot is going to be in the defensive zone, um, and that's where the face off will go. Now, as far as what side, 
Um, that is based on what side of the ice the stoppage happened on, but obviously you can you can get into some some weird judgment calls when you're dealing with you know goaltenders in the middle of of uh, of the ice. But yeah, it's it is based on the closest faceoff dot to where the stoppage happened, which by the way um, is different than it how it used to be because it used to be that um, in in you could have faceoffs. Anywhere on the ice, um, kind of, if, if you w- almost drew a rectangle with the the face off, the defensive zone face off circles, a face off could be anywhere in there. So if a, if a player, for example, shot the puck out of the ice, you know, in the neutral zone, they would actually go to the spot where he was and drop the, the puck right there. And I mentioned that only because it's it's very confusing sometimes when a new fan is like looking at an old clip or something, and they're like, "Why the why is the face off like you know halfway?" To in between those those two circles, it used to be that way, but now it has to be at one of the face-off circles. There's no scenarios where you can have a face-off anywhere other than those uh what one, two, three, nine, nine spots. You know what? I I a fun column would be you take a new hockey fan and then you sit down and you watch like the 1989 Adams Division mm-hmm. semifinal with them, and you're yeah. like, you you have to spot for me, you know, find the 10 weird things in this game. Yeah, or whatever. You know what I miss? You know what I miss so much? And I was thinking about this. You used to see in the old games. Um, when they when the glass was lower, remember when the linesman used to jump up and grab the glass yeah. and oh, lift off the to time, let the puck right? go by? That was yeah. such a that was a boss move, man. That was excellent. Those guys would just like, you know, hoist themselves up. Uh you don't you don't get that. I guess they don't they don't have the the uh uh the the the, the vertical leap anymore to to get to, to the higher glass. But yeah, that used to be I think we should put little handles along the ice, like a little ridge or something, and just so that they can they can still get up and do that because that was yeah. that was an A plus move, big time. Yeah, exactly. You never you never see that uh, anymore. All right, more questions here. Uh, Anonymous uh, writes into the show. Can you please explain the difference between forechecking and backchecking? That's from Anonymous. And again, uh, we prefaced this I think last week in the show. We'll we'll do it again one more time here. I know that for some of our audience, some of these questions might be easy answers, but what we want to do is make sure that if we have new uh, fans of hockey or people who don't quite understand, we don't want to mock you. We don't want to be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this person doesn't understand the difference between forechecking and backchecking. There's a lot of nuances to the game, a lot of things that are kind of sometimes just overlooked because you just assume that everybody knows them. And this is a a great question. So uh, we're going to explain the difference between forechecking and backchecking here. Yeah, and I feel like everyone's got a punchline ready to go about some player on their favorite team, or you know, this is this is Phil Kessel writing in because he's uh, trying to figure yeah, out what, who, what these what, what these what terms actually mean. Yeah, what is, yeah, what are we what are we doing here? Um, yeah, forechecking and backchecking. Uh, so the forecheck is basically uh, checking in the offensive zone, and here when we're talking about checking, we're talking about like checking the puck. This isn't body checking necessarily. Um, this is, uh, going after the puck carrier, going after the puck and the forecheck is the situation where the defensive team in their own defensive zone will have the puck potentially because you've just dumped it in, given it to them. And then you're going, you're going after them. And it's, uh, um, you know, as, as the name implies, it's sort of a, a, you know, a forward moving thing. Um, it's, it's aggressive and it's something that is done, um, basically by the forwards in the offensive zone. Um, that's for checking back checking is not quite the opposite, you know, cause when you explain for checking, you would think, okay, so back checking must mean when 
the other team has the puck in my defensive zone and I'm it is that, but also it tends to refer to anything where you are coming back with the play um, and and really chasing it down. Um, so again, typically forwards uh, we're talking about here because a defenseman is is going to um, usually not be in in a situation where he's retreating like that. Um, and you're you're going, you're trying to catch the attacking team as they are either in your offensive zone or moving towards it. And you're 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 hustling and getting your butt back there to to try to break up a play, um, and uh, yeah, that's uh, that's back checking, and uh, it's something that uh, some players do, and some players are are not as big a fan of. Yeah, it's fine. I always think of the there's a T-shirt or a saying, right? Four check, back check, paycheck, right? Yeah, like that's a exactly. Thing. Yeah, that's but it. I I laugh because in Canada, the way we spell check, like with paycheck, it's C H E Q U E. That, right. The phrase doesn't work in Canada. Four check, back doesn't check, work. paycheck. Exactly. Paycheck, and we then, spell it all weird. Yeah, it's it is it's that is that is a problem. We spell a lot of words wrong in this country. Yeah, I, I of all the words that we spell differently than our American uh, counterparts, like paycheck, like check, is the one yeah. that bothers me the most for whatever reason. Because it's you know, know we already we we're already using that word for hockey, so we had yeah. to come up with a different way to you know the the far less important uh, uh, version of the word. We yeah. got it got the uh, secondary weird spelling. Uh, Michael writes into the show, and you know what? This is a this is a phrase that I feel like has only come up in the last five to ten years. But Michael wants to know: Can you explain the role of bumper position? On the power yep. play. That's from Michael. And look, I don't think 10 or 15 years ago, we talked about the bumper position, did we? Not really, because the it's it's related to the evolution of power plays and the 1-3-1 the setup with a power play. Um, so the bumper on a power play is basically the guy in the middle of the ice um, when a team is using a 1-3-1. And 1-3-1 and means one player back, Along the blue line, usually that's your defenseman. Um, and then one player who's in deep, usually either in front of the net or, or just off to the side of it. And then sort of three players lined up along the front a little bit further out, one on each wing. And then you have the guy in the middle, and that's the bumper. Um, and the, the that, that power play format has really only kind of become prominent um, in the last few years, which is why you, you may have never heard the term before um and the the thinking with the one three one is it it sort of by having that guy in the middle it it gives more space to the wingers gives them more ability to be uh creative it it doesn't it it to some extent foils the classic penalty kill box formation um and and makes it tougher for for guys to go out and 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 uh play those wingers because you're opening up the guy and the bumper and it also gives you the opportunity to do that that play where it's sort of the the shot pass where you send a shot in but the shot yep. is directed towards the bumper and then he he tips and it's a very difficult play if it's done well for a goaltender to stop um but yeah that that is the bumper the middle guy um sort of in the plus sign of of a 131 um that's uh, that is the bumper you know one of the the other evolution i've really noticed in power plays and not only again using the term the bumper position is that you know, back in the day, it was rare that you would find four forwards and one D on a power play, right? Like yeah. it was often two defensemen, three forwards, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, two defensemen, and, and they and the defensemen stayed at the point, and they bombed yeah. shots from the point. Um, and you were, you know, either 
trying to score or, you know, to set up screens and deflections and all of that. But yeah, you had you, your three best forwards out there, but it was two guys who could both shoot the puck hard, uh, going back, you know, passing the puck back and forth. And, um, you know, honestly, part of that was back in the day when goalies were smaller, you could actually score from the point. Like that was a, that was a viable way to do it. Whereas these days, um, you're, you're almost never beaten an NHL quality goalie clean on a point shot. Um, but some teams still try, you know, that's, I know that's something that, that, that gets, you know, sometimes gets people tearing their hair out is there are certain teams that, uh, they still do run that old school power play where they're, they're trying to bomb from the point and it, it usually does not work well. You know, one thing I missed too, like in the, from the way back in the eighties, when there was a lot in nineties, even early nineties, when there were kind of stand up goalies, like you rarely see a goalie get beaten along the ice now, right? Like it's mm-hmm. very rare. But back then, like it was commonplace. Guy would yep. just shoot the puck along the ice and score. And yeah, and the goalie was like, "What do I do? I got well, you know, I can't, yeah. I, I can't move my skate side to side. This is crazy." Yeah, yeah. no, I, yeah. I look, man. I <laughs> goaltending today is so much better, so much better. Goaltending back then was so much more entertaining. I mean, it it just was more fun to watch these guys flailing their limbs around and, you know, not just, um, you know, getting hit in the chest because they had perfect positioning all the time. It was so much more fun. But yeah, some of those guys were some of those guys were absolutely terrible. I mean, you Wayne Gretzky was, you know, maybe the most creative, gifted offensive player who's ever lived. But he also has some goals where, I mean, he, oh my God. he you know, he just skate over the blue. The defenseman would just back right up. Go, yeah, don't worry about it. It's only Wayne Gretzky. No, no reason to have any gap control. No reason to, to get up on him. Take a slap shot right along the ice and just beat some goalie who would end up like doing this little dance to try to keep his balance. Uh, and uh, I mean, you'd, you'd watch the replay and you see Wayne wind up and then you look at the net and it's like this. The, the, he's got 90% of the net available to him. And uh, you compare that to what Alexander Ovechkin's shooting at now. Uh, it's it's crazy that anybody scores anything uh, these days. Yeah, my, my favorite example of that is Guy Lafleur from the Montreal Canadiens scores this memorable goal late in the third period of a, a game seven against Boston to tie it and comes down the ice and scores this iconic goal and the Bruins goalie, I think it was Gilles Gilbert at the time. Mm-hmm. Like if you watch the replay, like Lafleur shot just goes along the ice it beats him. Yeah. But Gilles Gilbert, you will swear that there's like a sniper in the stand yeah. that took out the Bruins goal. You're like, well, why did he react this way with the pucks yeah. along the well, ice? Well, it was a big, it was a dramatic goal. I mean, it, yeah. that cost him the Stanley Cup. Uh, so he did he did sell it a little bit. But uh, yeah, that's, uh, um, boy, it's, uh, I, I've said it before and, I, and I'm certainly not the only one who's made the observation. If you, if you put Austin Matthews or Alexander Ovechkin in the 70s or 80s NHL, they no. would score 100 goals a year easily. Easily. I mean, they, they, uh, until somebody clubbed them over the head with a stick or, you know, did whatever to, to take <laughs> yeah, them out exactly. of the game. I mean, they would absolutely, those goaltenders would, would think these guys were aliens from another planet. It would just be ridiculous. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get direct TV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream direct TV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream direct TV without a satellite dish. Call 1 800 direct TV. Terms or restrictions apply. We'll get back to the podcast in a second, but first a word from our friends at Grammarly. And look, we are professional writers by trade, so we know that communication is the key. And 
maybe you're not a professional writer, but Grammarly can make you more confident in your writing and make you a little bit more efficient and help you work day to day at your job. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can have that bigger impact at your place of work. Think about this, 96% of Grammarly users report that Grammarly helps them craft more impactful writing. That's a pretty good stat. Grammarly works across 500,000 apps and websites, and by understanding your writing and your context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions, tailor-made for you. Their tone suggestions, they'll even help you navigate even through the most difficult conversations at work. You can save time with one click, go from editing drafts in hours to seconds. Talking about stats, 93% of professionals using Grammarly Premium report that it helps them get more work done. Sign up and download for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly, G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Uh, hey, speaking of goalies here, uh, we got a question that uh, has come in. Hey, how come a goalie can't cross center ice? Yeah, it, so that's not quite the rule. The rule is a goalie can't control the puck across center ice. A goalie can actually cross center ice. And in fact, you, you, you see it on delayed penalties or when they have to, in the second period where they've got the long change, the goalie has to uh, cross the ice, but he can't play the puck. Why is that a rule? I have no idea. That That's definitely like a rule from the early days of hockey where, <laughs> right. you know, some, we got to like make sure the goalies stay on their half. Um, I, I, I'm absolutely in favor of yanking that one out of the rule book. If your goaltender wants to play the puck, Hey, go ahead and do it. I've only ever seen it called once in my life. It was Patrick Waugh, of course. Uh, yeah. and, Did and he, he deke Wayne Gretzky? He deked out Wayne Gretzky. And, yeah. you know, partly yeah, because Gretzky right. was like, what, the, what is he even doing? But like, he <laughs> yeah, was, he was right. leaving to go to the bench um, for, for on a delayed penalty. And the puck came to him. So he just took it. And he just kind of led the rush. And he did this little spinorama on, on a very confused Wayne Gretzky. Uh, and, and got, uh, got a penalty for it. And, and, and it's very funny because the, I, I think it's John Davidson is the, um, Oh yeah, it was against uh, the, Ranger, it was the Rangers, right? 
It was against the Rangers. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it's, exactly. uh, he gets John Davidson. Of course, yeah. he was a former goalie, and he's just he knows exactly what he what, he says. What are you doing, Patrick? He says that a couple of times because he knows it's a penalty. Um, but yeah, you know, it's 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 a very unnecessary rule. Uh, I would get rid of it. Here's one other funny thing about that rule, though. Um, you see from time to time where there's a there's a line brawl in one team's zone. And the goalie, you know, is is a little bit involved or he's thinking of getting involved or, you know, whatever it is. And sometimes you will see the other goalie doesn't come all the way down to fight, but he will go right to the center line and he'll stop right there. And, you know, you get the big dramatic shot of him, like the, the goalie there waiting at center ice, um, you know, basically say, you know, if, if, if I have to go, I'll go. But I'm not. You know. There is nothing in the rule book that says they have to stop at center ice. When it comes to being in a fight, in, in fact, right. the the rule is you can't leave your crease. Leaving your crease for an altercation is two minutes. There's nothing about center ice. I'm convinced that goalies, in their minds, somehow have conflated these two rules: the can't go across center ice with the puck during play, and the can't leave your crease, and have decided that there's a rule that says you can't cross center ice. There is no rule, and yet you get these like great, awesome, dramatic shots of like a Mike Smith or somebody ominously like you know. And I would love someday to just ask him that question: like, why do you stop at center ice? Do you think there's a rule? Because there's nothing in the rule book that says you actually have to stop there. Oh man, it's like one of those invisible pet fences that the goalies just yeah, exactly. Like they're gonna they yeah, they're gonna get shocked like, if they right, don't uh, not, you know, uh, yeah. like if they or you know, like when you tell your kids like, don't cross that. Like, hey, look, I'm drawing a line in the back seat, and you know you. Don't cross you, that line. Walk the pinky across and, uh, you know, see if you get told on. Yeah, there's there's nothing in the rule book that says you guys can't. You guys can go to the blue line. You can go wherever you want. You don't have to stop right at that line. Uh, we got a couple of other questions to get to here. And again, we're just taking all sorts of questions, wide range of questions from listeners, our audience, who just want to know answers to questions that some people might think are simple. Other people think, I don't know where this came from. And this is an interesting one here. Um, Hey, can you please explain the difference to me between a two-way and a one-way contract? Mm-hmm. Um, so a two-way contract is basically a contract that pays a different amount based on whether the player is in the NHL or in the minors. Um, whereas a one-way contract is uh, a guaranteed, basically you get an NHL salary even if you're in the minor leagues. Uh, you know, minor leaguers... Typically make the guys in the HL make less money. Those guys who are sort of in between, it's uh, it's a situation where it, it's it's very often, you know, it'll be either league minimum or something like that. But um, uh, when you when you hear about a two way contract, that's a guy who's a tweener who might go back and forth between the NHL and the AHL. He's making an NHL salary in the NHL and 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 a lower salary in the AHL versus uh, a player who has a one-way contract, it's basically a little bit more security for a player. If you're one of those tweener players, um, it it gives you more security because you know you're making right. an NHL salary the whole time. Now, that having been said, there is nothing about a one-way contract that prevents you from being sent down to the minors. And there is nothing at all when it comes to one-way and two-way contracts. That has nothing to do with waivers. And that's a very common misconception. And the reason it's a misconception is because in the old uh, EA video games, the <laughs> NHL series, for a little while, that was how they handled players being waiver exempt. Or it was if you had a two way contract, you could get that sent down. If it was one way, you had to go on waivers. That's how the video game handled it. So there's this whole generation of fans that think <laughs> that 
one-way contracts have to do with waivers. They don't. There's absolutely nothing connecting one- and two-way contracts to the waiver process. Um, that is something from a video game that a lot of people have uh, incorrectly assumed was based on real life. It wasn't. Uh, we got a uh, Twitter question here from AW in, uh, looks like, Virginia. Why are there so many left-handed shots in the NHL? I understand that most of these players are, in fact, right-handed, but they learn to play hockey left-handed. Why is that? That's from AW. Yeah, this is a great question, and it's it's an interesting one because there's actually um, not only are there significantly more left-handed shots than you would think um, in the league based on the percentage of people that are left-handed or right-handed, there actually seems to be um, a division here based on country in that there are a lot more right-handed American players and left-handed Canadian players. And there is a theory about why this is. Um, and, and essentially, the way it works is if you if imagine yourself holding a hockey stick, um, well, which of, the, which of the hands is actually doing the most work? Which of the hands actually has the hardest job? It's actually the high hand. The, uh, the, the hand up there, that's, you know, that, that hand has the harder job of the two of them. It's, it's sort of controlling, it's, it's, you know, kind of controlling, um, more of the stick than the lower hand is. So if you are right-handed, you actually should be a lefty shot in theory. Now it's, it's not a big difference. It's certainly not um, anywhere near as big a difference as, you know, handwriting or something where it, you can't overcome it. You can't learn to, to go the other way. Um, but that's, that's, um, you know, that, that's rare compared to golf or baseball where it typically lines up with, uh, you know, if you're, if you're right-handed, it's the top hand does more work. So therefore you, you shoot right, uh, or you swing right. Um, in hockey, it actually goes the other way. So that's why, in theory, you see more left-handed players because they're not actually left-handed. They are, they're right-handed, which means they have their right hand on top of the stick, which means they shoot left, even though they're right-handed. Now, where you get into the distinction with country is, and this is a theory, but it makes sense to me, the theory is that in Canada, we pick up a stick as, as our first thing. That That's, you know, uh, not, to, not to be cliched or stereotypical, but, you know, it's as soon as you as soon as you can walk, you got a pair of skates on and somebody hands you a hockey stick. So if you're going to naturally just pick up a stick, you're going to pick it up with your right hand, use the right hand on the top, and you're going to end up shooting left. Whereas if you pick up hockey later in life, by that point, you probably already swung a baseball bat, you probably already swung a golf club, and you just assume you're supposed to do it the same way. So you end up shooting right because you tell the person, yeah, I'm right-handed, I'm a righty. I guess I'll shoot right. You know, your mom or dad buys you a stick. They don't know which way you shoot. They assume you're going to shoot the same way that, that you swing a bat or or whatever else. So the the theory, at least, is, you know, if you start early, which Canadians typically do, you're going to be what is basically the opposite. You're going to be, if you're right-handed, you shoot left. If you're left-handed, you shoot right. Uh, versus if you're uh, someone who comes to hockey later in life, which very often are the American players, it's you're going to stick with the same way that you would swing uh, a baseball bat, even though that isn't actually the way that you should do it. If you were thinking through logically of which hand should be doing what, you know what, just along those lines, Joe has a question for us. 
uh, about left and right shot defensemen. In fact, if you know anything about hockey, you know teams are dying to get right shot defensemen for the very reasons you laid out. Oftentimes, uh, premier defensemen or more defensemen shoot left and than they shoot right. Mm-hmm. Joe wants to know, why don't teams interchangeably use left and right hand defensemen? Why are they so, I guess, uh, you know, uh, stuck on the idea that the left shot has to play on the left side, right has to play on the right. Joe wants to know, is that mostly because you don't want players on their wrong side when pucks are rimmed in along the boards? It's it's part of that. It's it's actually more to do with receiving a pass. Um, if you picture being being a uh, a right handed defenseman, let's say on the right side of the ice, you're sort of in the right position to accept a pass coming across from the other zone, which could be either going back and forth with the defensive partner. Um, you know, some of the breakouts, some of the uh, the sort of safety outlet plays uh, that teams will have in their own zone. Um, if somebody is on their offside, which is to say a right-hander on the left side, they, they either have to take the pass on their backhand or, you know, sort of have their stick behind them. Uh, it's a little bit tougher, not impossible to do, certainly, um, you know, especially given the skill level of these guys, but, um, that does tend to be, um, the, why there is this preference. And that is also, by the way, why you will sometimes see, um, defensemen, flip and play on the other side when they're on the power play. Um, because then the, you want to be on your offside because that's when you, you're set up for the one-timer. So if, especially if it's you know a team that does that old point-to-point uh, power play still and you're going back and forth, you'd see the two defensemen have actually flipped and now they're, they're playing on their offside because that is how you get uh, geared up for that, uh, for that slap shot. But because offense is not a big part of most defensemen's game, it's more about receiving the pass um, and then, uh, uh, and being able to then, you know, quickly deliver a pass as well up ahead, um, than it is about being in the right position for that big shot. You know, and by I've the way, some... this lefty righty defenseman thing, th- did you ever hear this as a kid? No. Do you have any idea? Like you, you never knew how many, who I didn't know what shot what Chris Chelios, if he was a left or right yeah. shot defenseman when I was a kid, I mean, like now, you know. Oh, even now, like I have to picture, I got to like, you know, okay, I'm trying to picture Ray Bohr. Okay, I can picture him scoring that goal. All right, now, I had no idea. It's, I still blame Mike Babcock for this. Like he was such, he, he was so adamant with the Canadian Olympic team. That was the first time I remember this being a thing where you're like, why are they taking these weird defensemen? And then somebody was like, well, they got to have a balance of right and left. And you're like, oh, do they? Is that a thing? And it's been a thing ever since. But I, I never, until the, the, it became like a thing for picking the Canadian Olympic team. I had no memory of that uh, being something we talked about up until a few years ago. Yeah, you know, I've had some conversation with DJ Smith. He's the, uh, of course, Ottawa Senators head coach about, you know, why why don't you sometimes put a left-hand shot on the right side or vice versa? And his thing, and DJ played as a defenseman when he made it to the NHL. And and so I, I feel like he understands the position better than, than people like me and, and you and his whole thing is, if you put a right shot defenseman on the left side, um, not only do they have a hard time, you know, keeping the puck in the offensive zone, right? Like, because you got to, mm-hmm. you know, hold it on your back end. His bigger issue, he thinks, is in the defensive zone where he says, you know, when you're trying to break out the puck, he's like, so just picture yourself, you're trying to break out the puck. And if you need to get it out off the glass and you're a right shot defenseman on the left side, he's like, how are you going to do that? He's like, you could do it with your backhand, but mm-hmm. it's really not the preferred way to do it, right? Like you want to have your body kind of in between the defender. So you have a little bit of protection. You're going out on your strong. He says going out on your strong side is the way to do it in your defense. Like he's adamant that defensively 
That's yep. where the problem is. So I, I love the idea that a, an NHL coach is just really concerned about making putting his players at the best position to succeed in chipping the puck off the glass and out of the yeah. zone. That's just yeah, like exactly. that's that's what keeps him up at night. Is how can I make it easier for them to execute this boring safe play? Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's. That's the state of state of the game. Okay. One last one here to wrap this up. Like I said, we we, we had so many questions here the last couple of weeks. We didn't even get to all of them. Uh, Kelly has written into the show. When players on the offensive team are in the zone and the puck comes out, a player can shoot it back in and the play isn't called offside unless one of those attacking players in the zone touches the puck. So here's my question. If the player who shoots the puck back into the zone from the neutral zone happens to score on goal, what happens then? None of his teammates have touched the puck. Um, there's no reason to blow it dead. Would that goal count, or is that still offside? That's from Kelly. Yep, and again, I love I love questions like this, the, the sort of like weird uh, little, but okay, what happens if this and then that? Um, unfortunately, I, I do have to break the news to Kelly that and, and other fans who may be wondering this, that that goal would not count. I know. Um, it would be great if it did. Man, that would be... Imagine that if you could just like try to catch the other team off guard on a on a, on an offside like that. But no, it's essentially the it 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 is an offside at that point. It's um it's specifically in the rule book that if if that scenario were to happen, the puck goes into the net, um that uh, immediately negates the goal and it is treated as if the other team had touched the puck. There you go. We'll uh, we'll leave it there. And and like we said, hey, this is something maybe we can sprinkle in, uh you know. Here in September, when September rolls around, whatever, just, you know, these are these are great questions. And clearly, we maybe got to 50, 60 percent of them. There was so many. Oh, we no, didn't we got to. we got a ton. And, and again, that, that's that 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 was the uh, the the mailbag that I did that I sent you. I, I haven't even got all the questions that into that list. So thank you very much to everyone who sent uh, questions in. That was uh, it was an overwhelming response uh, and uh, and a great one. Yeah, and listen, we got a couple of episodes uh, worth of, of material thanks to you, uh, the, the listeners. And this is what happens in the month of August. This is perfect time for this. All right, we want to thank everybody for listening. Thank you for all your feedback. And again, if you got more questions for us uh, based on anything we said this week, by all means, drop us a, uh, an email to the Athletic Hockey Show at gmail.com. You can also leave us a voicemail. Love to hear from you uh, in person, 845 445 8459. Not a subscriber with us. Uh, at The Athletic, you can join us at theathletic.com slash hockey show. You're going to get an annual, annual subscription for a dollar a month for the first six months. And you can also subscribe to The Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Get all of our bonus content from the entire network. You'll start with a 30-day free trial. And then it's just 99 cents a month after that. Hey, baseball fans, this is Derek Van Riper. Now that spring training games are underway, opening day is just a few weeks away. Eno Saris and I have been getting ready for the season all winter on Rates and Barrels. Whether you're a seasoned fantasy player, a baseball stats junkie, or just someone who wants to learn more about the game, join us for four episodes each week this season, including our new Friday live stream with former big leaguer Trevor May. Check out the live stream on Fridays at 1 o'clock Eastern on the Rates and Barrels YouTube channel, or listen to the show wherever you enjoy your podcasts, including the ad-free option on the Athletic app.